Great, so good morning. Good morning. It's, it's good to be together. I know that uh, the start of a new year is, is a lot of things to a lot of people and um, what it's been for Freedom Churches is we've had uh, sweeping through of, of several different illnesses. So I'm on the tail end now of a, of, a, of a bad cold. So if you hear at some point in my voice that it feels like my nose is full of cement, then that's because that's what it feels like. So, but, but I'm, uh, I'm, we're all of us uh, recovering. Um, last year, we, we began our new year together by, by looking at uh, what it is uh, the new year is to a lot of people. So I know for a lot of people, uh, people come to the new year with a sort of, uh, their resolutions are in front of them. This is what I'm going to do. The new start is something that excites them. Uh, they come with their, their, their new year's resolutions uh, to varying levels of success. But they come at them, uh, and then for other people, um, you might feel like you've just fallen into the next year, and you don't really know what's going on. You're still trying to work out what, what day it is. Today is a Sunday. Um, some people kind of just enter the new year, and you know it's just another week, and there's just nothing. No, there's no nothing different to them. But we 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 began our time together in 2023 uh, as Freedom Church, looking ahead to those things that, that we believe that God has called us to. We held up our, our vision again as a church and we said that we felt that God was calling us to, 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 to continue to gather people, to, to continue to grow uh, numerically, but to see people saved and added to that church. That wonderful phrase that comes up again and again in the book of Acts, that people, as they encounter the, the, the living, risen Christ through the preaching of the gospel, they not just become Christians, they've not just changed their mind, but they've, they've entered a family, they've become part of a community. And we're saying that this is what we want to see continue to happen in the life of Freedom Church as we reach North Hull. But we also felt that we wanted to grow in maturity. We, we looked at that as kind of an individual level as well, looking at Paul as he's writing to the Philippians, I press on to make it my own, that upward call of God in Christ. And we looked at what that means. And then we said we, uh, we wanted to grow in our uh, engagement in God's mission both locally and in the nations we kind of we whittled those down into three things we said we want to grow uh, we want to sorry, we want to gather we want to grow and we want to go and those were the three big things and if if you weren't here last week for whatever reason those uh, that that talk will be online um, and so you'll be able to listen and catch up there now we need to remind ourselves that that sort of pursuit of God that that Paul is talking about in uh, Philippians uh, as he's writing and I, I press on to make it my own that sort of that maturity that he's talking about there is not something that we are called to do on our own it's not something we're called to do on our own I made an emphasis of saying that that, that is something that we do together that we are committed to together to together run after God to together take hold of his promises both for ourselves individually and what the Bible tells, says about Christians and the life of a Christian but also about us as a church, Freedom Church. That's something we take hold of together. And I made the point of saying last week that God's intention for Christians, Christians, still got Christmas in my head, God's intention for Christians is to be in community with one another. That there's no growth, no maturity in trying to do it on your own. I, I, you know, I say um, one of the, the big... Uh, uh, things that fans my faith into flame is entering into a community of people, coming into a room like this, full of people who I know are also pursuing God with me. To, to, to take hold of the things of God, to enjoy his goodness and lay hold of his promises, to see his kingdom on earth. 
You come into a room like that, and I tell you, you are fueled. And worship is, is so key in that. You know, when we worship together, thank you so much, Neil, for how you've led us in. But as, you, as we worship together like that, we, we are singing to God. We're turning our eyes to him, but we're also, we're also singing to one another. There's a sort of like, come on, let's, let's, let's remind ourselves of, of who God is. As you sing, the people next to you should be hearing the truth that you're singing over them and, 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 and vice versa. There is, a, there is a community aspect to it. In fact, Jesus is very strong in this. There's a sort of, the, the whole New Testament is, well, you can't, you can't really be a Christian without belonging to this family. You can't be a, a, a Christian without belonging to the community of faith. That's what it means to be a Christian because when you become a Christian, you become a member of the family. And so we kind, of, we kind of began to say some of that stuff last week. Um, but, but I kind of wanted to, I, I kind of teased then, but I want to make a point of doing it now. Over the next two weeks, um, with all that stuff in mind, I want us to spend some time exploring what it means to, to be on that journey together. To how do we, how do we help one another to, to lean? And, and, and how do we help one another and, and lean on one another in a way that's going to uh, help us through the ups and downs, to pursue God together, to, to learn more about him and to engage with his promises, both for us as a church that we hold on to, those things that we believe God has called us to, but us as individuals. How do we grow in maturity and how do we help one another to, to do that? And I want to do that by taking these two weeks, by looking at this uh, whole theme of encouragement. Um, we, as a, as a church, we belong to a wider family of churches, regions beyond uh, some of you have uh, come with us to uh, various conferences and things that we've done as a, as a wider community, regions beyond, uh, part of New Frontiers. Um, and one of the values that we put forward, as we say, it's on, on our uh, website, one of the values that we put forward is saying, you know, this is one of the things that, that uh, we hope you will see us as, as you come to meet with us, is that we are there for one another's success. I love that line. We are there for one another's success, and it's, and it's kind of unpacked in this way. We desire friendship locally and internationally in our worldwide mission. No, sorry, in our worldwide mission. We take responsibility for doing that, uh, for doing all that we can to ensure and enjoy each other's success through practical relationships. That sort of, actually, I, what I want. And I want this to be expressed in our church and, and in our churches internationally as we, as we belong to this wider family is we want to be people who are so excited about the success of other people, so, so, so for one another, that we punch the air when, when there's success over here as though it was happening with us, right? So we enjoy other people's success as much as we enjoy our own. And that's kind of what we, we, the, the call of the church is, and we'll see later, Paul, as he's writing to the Philippians, he says, hey, look, count others as more significant than yourself. Be excited for them. Push them forwards. And it's really this kind of, this sort of thing we're talking about when we talk about encouragement. It's easy to think of encouragement as being a, a small thing, right? It's a kind of like pat on the back, there, there, it'll all be okay, chin up. And it's sort of like a fluffy, airy-fairy, wishy-washy, nothing thing, but but I kind of, in these two weeks, I want us to see encouragement the way the Bible presents it to us. Not as an extra sort of passive thing, but crucial in the development of the life of a Christian. Not as a feeble thing, but strong and strengthening. The kind of the picture that the Bible gives of 
encouragement is is one of sort of uh, I mean the, the word encouragement literally in English is it means to to bring courage to to give courage to put courage into somebody right there's a sort of you know somebody there at the at their lowest point and and there you are you put courage into them you you you, and suddenly they raised up, and you know the picture is almost like a, you know those those I love the epic those epic films with the, the great battles and those great speeches that come before a battle. You know, like Aragorn in Lord of the Rings, or um, you know uh, Henry V in Shakespeare's play. You know, like, we few, we happy few, we band of brothers. There's a few others I, I can't remember, but uh, Independence Day is another good one. There's, but those things where it sounds like the tide of the battle was shifted because somebody put courage into somebody else. And that courage was able to, to lift them and to engage them and to give them strength that they didn't know they had. And, it's, and that's the sort of uh, view of encouragement that the Bible has. It's not a pat on the back. It's not a there, there. Chin up. It's not a passive thing. It is, it's an engaging thing. But also, it's a supernatural thing. See, the Bible talks about encouragement, the gift of encouragement, as a supernatural gift, as a spiritual gift. So um, it came up a little in our worship, but uh, the Bible talks about being filled with the Holy Spirit. That God himself comes and, and, and he not just is among his people, but he enters into his people and gives them gifts. So that when we gather together like this, there are gifts across the room, gifts of prophecy, gifts of miracles and healing, gifts of teaching and leadership. And these are spiritual things, supernaturally ordained and given and empowered gifts, right? And encouragement, the Bible talks about encouragement in the same breath that it talks about prophecy and miracles and healing. When you encourage somebody, in the sense that the Bible's talking about, you are coming with all the power of God to bring strength and courage to that person wherever they might be, in their low points, in their high points. It is not a small thing. So if we understand what encouragement is in the context of the life of the church and in the understanding of what the Bible has to say about it, we understand that it's not some piddly thing. It is God-given and comes with all the power of God. So this, this is the gift. This gift that is given to see the church built up into maturity. This, this gift that is essential to, to those things that we hold as a church. To say, we feel called to these things. This is the gift that I want us to continue to grow in. To, I, know that, like, I, I know that it's active amongst us. I know that because I, I get texts from people that just suddenly come at the right time. And it's like, I feel so encouraged. Or in Sunday mornings, and, and someone says, oh, how, how's such and such going for you? And, and, and people pray for me, whatever. I, like, I know that that is active amongst us. But I know that I, I want us to continue to lean into that and to continue to push into it. And so I want to use these two weeks to, 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 to look at that thing by, by looking at two different characters from the Bible. Two different people in the Bible who really embody this gift. One from the Old Testament and one from the New Testament. And as we do that, I hope that we will see a little bit more of what it will look like for us as a family to pursue uh, God together and to help one another to do that. So the first person I want to, I want to introduce you to, um, it may be somebody you, you already know, but the first person I want to introduce you is a character from the Old Testament. His name is Jonathan. And Jonathan is the son of Saul the king. Saul has been appointed king over Israel. He's the first king over Israel. And initially, he is doing a great job. 
And he, but he begins to fall away from God. And Jonathan is his son. Now, we all know the story of David and Goliath. David, who, who the young boy from out from the, brought in from the fields to fight the giant and, and succeeds because of his faith in God. Um, this, this story, David uh, is this kind of outlier. And then on the back of that story, he, David kind of suddenly is, is, is launched into incredible, fruitful ministry. He's, he's brought into uh, uh, Saul's household and he's made a member of the family. He's given one of Saul's daughters to marry and he's uh, been given this position of authority uh, over, uh, the, over the armies and he helps Saul to overcome the invading armies that are, are threatening Israel at the time. And so David is kind of, it looks like everything is on the way up. And, and, and Jonathan, we kind of hear a lot of Jonathan's friendship with David, but, but these, two, these two men are joined together in heart. In fact, the Bible says of them that, they're, that they, their souls were woven together, that there was a such commitment to one another, such brotherly love for one another, that, that there is this commitment to one another. And, and we see in uh, uh, 1 Samuel 18, here I go, pull it up for you. 1 Samuel 18. So this is, this is just after David has, has uh, defeated uh, Goliath and has been given uh, honour in Israel. Um, Jonathan, it says this, as soon as he'd finished speaking to Saul, so this is as soon as David had finished speaking to Saul, the soul of Jonathan was knit to the soul of David. That's that brotherly commitment and love for him. And Jonathan loved him as his own soul. And Saul took him that day and would not let him return to his father's house. Then Jonathan made a covenant with David because he loved him as his own soul. That covenant is that sort of commitment, that, agree- that agreement, commitment to one another. He made a covenant with David because he loved him with his own soul. And Jonathan stripped himself of the robe that was on him and gave it to David and his armour, and even his sword, and his bow, and his belt. So here is, here is David, who is, who's been, previously been anointed, he's going to be the next king, he's, he's from outside the family, here is Jonathan, who's the natural next king, he's the, the natural heir, and yet he, he happily goes above and beyond his call of duty to, to honour David, and he gives him more than his duty demands. There is a genuine love going on here. But, but David uh, 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 doesn't get to enjoy these kind of lofty heights for very long. Anyone who knows his story knows that Saul very quickly begins to become quite suspicious of David. David is very successful in helping Saul. And, and it means that people are singing songs about David, you know, that, that almost glorify him over Saul. And so, uh, and so Saul becomes very jealous. In fact, there's, there's, there's a couple of episodes where, where David is just, he's playing his lyre to the king. You know, he's trying to keep the king happy. And as Saul just gets so angry, he hurls his spear at David. And David has to dodge this spear more than once. Right? He, he, he suddenly is fearful for his life because the king, uh, his anger and his jealousy is, is directed towards him. And so David has this whole season of being in, in hiding from the king. Because the king is worried that he is going to overthrow him. And so, in that moment, you, so, so David is, is then in hiding. He's hiding out in the mountains. And, and we come to uh, 1 Samuel uh, 
23, uh, 14 to 15. He's out there in the mountains and it says this, and David remained in the strongholds in the wilderness. There he is in the wilderness, in the hill country of the wilderness of Ziph. And Saul sought him every day, but God did not give him into his hand. David saw that Saul had come out to seek his life. I love that kind of, that, that two things going on there. There's a spiritual reality. God did not give David over to Saul. And there's a physical reality. David's eyes are on the physical reality. David saw that Saul had come out for him, right? David, you put yourself in David's position there. David is, is feeling weak. He's feeling rejected. He thought all of the promises that God had given him over his life were coming into land. Everything's coming good. And suddenly everything turns and he, everything feels like it's been stripped from him. All those positions that he's been given, all the honour that he'd been given, all the, the, the wonderful love that he'd been given, all seems to have been stripped away. And all he can see is Saul is out to get me. But there is this kind of hidden spiritual reality that God did not give him into Saul's hand. But David can't see that. He's just seeing that Saul has come out to seek his life. David was in the wilderness of Ziph at Horesh and Jonathan. I love that. And Jonathan. Saul's son rose and went to David at Horesh and strengthened his hand in God. And he said to him, do not fear, for the hand of Saul, my father, shall not find you. You shall be king over Israel and I shall be next to you. My, Saul, my father, also knows this. And the two of them made a covenant. Again, that, that agreement, that renewal of agreement, commitment to one another before the Lord. David remained at Horesh and Jonathan went home. Yeah, we can put ourselves, as I say, we can put ourselves in David's place there for a moment. Those, those wilderness moments we've all been in, I promise you, in, the, in, in 2023, look, whatever hopes and ambitions you have for 2023, there will be wilderness moments. There will be moments when it feels like everything is stripped away from you. You feel like, Where, where's my footing? Where's my security? David is in, in that place feeling totally withdrawn from the promises of God, far away from, uh, from seeing their fulfillment, far away from the love and the comfort that he's known. Now in those times, we know that we're called to, to strengthen ourselves, to, to, to encourage ourselves, to turn our eyes, and we've spent time looking at this, look, uh, to turn our eyes to the, to the promises of God and the goodness of God, to remind ourselves not to look at the, the worldly things as David does there. Like, oh, Saul is out to get me all the terrible things that are going on in the world. You know, oh, my finances is looking like this. Oh, uh, I, I'm struggling with my family. Oh, I'm struggling with this, whatever. We're called not to, to be able to turn our eyes away from those things that would draw us into to, uh, to anxiety, depression, whatever it might be, but to turn our eyes towards the goodness of God and to remember who he is, those, those great, uh, all-eclipsing, wonderful truths of the goodness of God. We've been singing in worship. You know, David models this well, actually. Uh, uh, several verses, several chapters later, David also, he seems to have a very up and down life. Again, in hiding, um, we're told he, he strengthened himself in the Lord. What does that mean? To strengthen yourself in the Lord. It's to, it is to, to remind yourself of the goodness of God. No, God has said this. This might be what the world looks like, but God has said this. This might be what's happening to me at the moment, but this is what the Lord is like and he loves me and he's my father and he's with me through all the difficulties. Everything might be going wrong, but God is with me. And so we're called to do that and we're called to be able to do that, but, but there are times when, 
actually, you need somebody else to do that for you. You need somebody else to do that for you. And there are going to be times when you need to do that for somebody else. That's why we're in community. There are going to be times when it's your job to go to somebody else and just to raise their eyes and say, look, I know this stuff is going on around you. I know that it looks like the armies are closing in on on you. But look, look at God. Look at his, and and to strengthen him, to strengthen one another. We we spent, um, just on that that idea of, of strengthening ourselves in God we we spent some time in the summer last year uh, looking at the Psalms and I I love those Psalms and and if anybody wants you can go back and you can listen to those but those those Psalms of David as he's doing that work of strengthening himself in God are so key to us and so if you're in that place and you need to do that some of that work in your own heart I would encourage you go and look at some of these Psalms that David writes in these dark moments you can listen to those sermons online as I say but but let's just look at Jonathan and what Jonathan is doing for David in those moments. As I say, there are going to be times when you're David in this scenario and there are going to be times when you're Jonathan. And I think there are probably likely that you're always called to be both. Right? We are always called to be both the encouragers and to be the ones who receive encouragement. That's just the life of a Christian. There's this sort of community together and why it's so important that we belong to one another. The first thing we kind of draw from, from Jonathan is is that he gives himself to David, as we've seen. He is, he is committed to David. Right? As I say, it's, it's beyond duty. He, he, is, uh, he is not just um, doing uh, what is, he's duty-bound to do. He's, he's genuinely loving this guy. He's not just on, you know, David comes, he's being Goliath, he's helped win these great victories. Jonathan's not just jumping on the bandwagon here, Right? As we, you know, he's not a fair weather friend, as we see in, in this moment when David's in his low point, Jonathan finds him out. He's not just, oh well, now that it looks like everything's going wrong for David, I'm not going to throw myself in with that guy. No, he's, he is committed to David. There is something of, I belong to you, and you, you belong to me. And there's this sort of community, this, this communion that they have with one another of, no, where you go, I go. That sort of all for one and one for all, that, that kind of mentality has come into the mix. He is, you know, he, he, he's, so he's there for David in the highest point to celebrate with him, to, to celebrate his success. You know, there for one another's success. He's there, he's celebrating it as though it's his own, but also he's willing to go to David in his dark point as though that was his own as well, right? He meets David wherever he's at, owning his highs and his lows. The Bible talks about this, Paul talks about this, you know, you know uh, rejoice with those who rejoice, Mourn with those who mourn. That's the core of a Christian. Hey, when, when you're going through a hard time, I'm, I'm in it with you. In your, in everything's going well for you. Wow, I'm celebrating as though that were mine, even if I might be here. Right? There's this joint community that we're in that, that does that. Secondly, he does something. Right? Jonathan does something. He, he goes, he says, look, he, Jonathan... Saul's son rose and went to David. He rose and went to David. This is not, as I say, encouragement is not a passive thing. He, is, he gets up intentional, I am going to go to David. I am going to go and be with David. Uh, the writer of the Hebrews says this in Hebrews 10, he says, Let us consider how to stir one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together, again, emphasising the 
the importance of gatherings like this and prayer meetings and times in each other's homes, but encouraging one another, and, and all the more no, as you see the day drawing near. Encouraging one another. Let us consider, I love that, let us consider, let's think about, think about, activate your mind in thinking about how you can stir one another on in faith. He's, this isn't a passive thing, this is a, this is a considered thing. Right? I'm not just happen to be there, there's a, there's a deliberate nature to it. Jonathan is thinking, this is going on for David, I can see what's going on for David, what can I do for David to strengthen him in God? And he, and he gets up off his seat and he does something. And I'll tell you, let's be people who do that. Let's be people who, who are intentional about pursuing people and encouraging people. Now think about, I'm coming in on Sunday morning, um, you might be at your low, whatever, but let's be praying, I wonder, what is it that God is giving me to give to other people? And it might be expressed in um, at sharing something from the front with a microphone or in prayer or a, or a scripture that God's been speaking to you from. Or it might be going across the room to talk to somebody and saying, look, I know you're going through this. Can I pray for you? Can I help you? How can I, how can I help you in this way? Right? Let's be intentional about it. This requires, by the way, this requires a kind of an openness and vulnerability from all of us. We need to be able to share our lives. That's the, the picture that the Bible gives of the New Testament churches. That they, they, had, they shared their lives. They shared their meal tables. They shared their homes. They were in and, each other, in and out of each other's homes, sharing life, doing life together. And so they knew when one of them was suffering or when one of them was uh, succeeding. And so they were there for both, you know, in both cases. Hey, let's be open, let's share our lives. I think they're kind of midweek groups where we gather together and we're in, uh, in homes and praying for one another and just engaging with the Bible together. Those are great times to do that, but, but find opportunities. Be deliberate, as, as this passage says. Consider, think about it. How can, I, how can I help people in the church to continue to pursue God? And I'd say as well, act on prompts that the Holy Spirit gives you. Hey, as you're a Christian, you've, you've been filled with the Holy Spirit God's going to speak to you in your heart. And it might be that you're just going about your day and, and a thought goes through your head, I wonder how Neil's doing. Take that as a prompt of the Holy Spirit and maybe send Neil a text or give him a ring and say, hey, look, God's really just dropped you on my heart. Let me, is there anything I could be praying for you for? Let's be people who do that. Let's be people who, who are responsive to the, the, the prompts of God and do something just as Jonathan did. Thirdly, he was sacrificial. Jonathan was sacrificial. He didn't put himself first. Um, Paul says this to the Philippians, do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant, more important than yourselves. Let each of you not only look to your own interests, but to the interests of others. We've already seen in, in that passage in, in 1 Samuel 18, as, as uh, David's life is just, is, you know, he's hitting this new track and it's like David is, is succeeding in everything he does. Jonathan celebrates that and, 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 and also pushes David ahead of himself. Jonathan's not jostling for position with David. He's, in fact, he, he gives up his princely garments, his, his princely things, these things that would have signified him as the heir of the king, and he gives them to David. Can you imagine that? Willingly saying, oh, this, I don't think this is mine, actually. I think this is yours. What kind of people would we be if we thought that way? If we lived that way? I'll tell you, there's so much jostling for position in the world, isn't there? I've had conversations with people where my, my takeaway is, well, that person really wants me to think that they're important and clever. Right? You, we've been in conversations with people like that, haven't we? And, but but that, that just, 
That shouldn't enter the life of the church. Sadly, it does sometimes. Sadly, it does. But, but in the life of the church, we should be, no, I, I'm willing to, to step back to, to see you into all the things that God has called you to, to see you succeed. I'm willing to, to put myself under you, to support you, to, to see you into the things that God has given you to do. He, like, that, is a, that is a huge sacrifice. And, and it's something that I think, if we do that, if we carry this, uh, this verse that uh, Paul talks about here, this uh, consider uh, others more significant than yourselves, if we really believe that, wow, how God will use us as a church to, to move things and to do things incredibly. We want to be people who are like that, not competitive, not jostling for position. See, we're only able to do this through Jesus. We're only able to, to do this through Jesus. This passage, as he goes on, it says, you know, have this mindset which is yours in Christ. Right? This, this, this is not a natural mindset. The world jostles for position because that's the natural mindset. But when you enter into Jesus, when you see Jesus, when you, you know him and your security is in him, actually it doesn't matter that I've not got the princely clothes anymore. That doesn't matter that I'm not going to be king. It doesn't matter because I'm, I know where I stand with Jesus. That's what matters. And so I'm able to put those things down and give them to other people, to support other people. I'm willing to sacrifice because I know that I have such security in this. It is a... Yeah... It is only possible to do that through Jesus. But also, uh, Jonathan's sacrifice puts him in the same firing line that David himself is in. Right? He enters into David's dark point, but it also that means that he's in the same firing line as David. Jonathan himself, after asking his father, "Is it really? Do you really want to pursue David? Do you really? Are you really after him?" He also gets a spear thrown at him. In, in 1 Samuel 20, he, he gets the same thing happened, happens to him. Right? David's uh, trouble becomes Jonathan's trouble because Jonathan was willing to line himself up with David. And that's what happens when we come and encourage, when we really are encouraging one another, it means that we enter that same firing line. We might put ourselves in the same uh, uh, level of danger. You know, we've seen this as we've looked at other passages elsewhere, this sort of, this, this Christian heart that says, I'm willing to serve you and love you whatever it costs me. Jonathan has done that. You know, he, he risks everything in coming to see David. If he was discovered, he would be dead. He risks everything to come and see and strengthen David. And then finally, Jonathan, uh, Jonathan strengthens David in the God. He strengthens him in God. This, this sort of, uh, that, again, that phrase, that, that there is a spiritual element to this. It's not just a, there, there, David, this will all be okay. There is a, you know, that, that probably includes prayer. There's a, you know, there's a spiritual element. There's a, uh, but, but what it is, is he's, he's reminding David of the promises of God over his life. He's saying, do not fear. He says this, do not fear. Why? Do not fear. Why? He says, do not fear. Not just because it, this will all blow over, it will be all right. He says, do not fear because, and then he goes on to talk about the promises of God over David's life. And he reminds him, he prophesies over him. He says, you know, you've got, Saul, my father will not find you. 
You shall be king over Israel. You shall, and I shall be next to you. And there's this kind of rejoining of themselves, this recommitment to one another. He, uh, Jonathan comes to David and preaches to his heart. That's what he's doing. And we need to do that to one another. Hey, when, when somebody's at a low point, you need to come in and you need to engage with them. You need to say, look, remember what God has said to you. Remember how God has, those things that God has already done for you. Remember, and then you open your Bible with them and you say, you see, you see what God is like. You see how he loves you. You see how he's for you. And when, you, when you're in that low point, let people come and do that for you. Let them come to you and, and encourage you and to strengthen you. And I hope that that's something that happens on a Sunday morning as I or anybody else gets to preach, that there is something of that happening communally together. As we remember, no, this is what God is like. There is a strengthening of ourselves in God. That's why it's so important that we give ourselves to these times. There is a strengthening in worship. And as the word is brought, we remember this is who God is and this is what he's doing. And this is, uh, this is who he is to us. He's our father. He loves us. There is this raising of our heads to see these things that eclipse the, the horrible hardships of the world. We remember there was wonderful blood-bought promises that Jesus has given us to always be with us, to use even our darkest days to do us good. Wow, there are incredible promises over us as Christians. They, and there are times when you'll forget them. I tell you, we are forgetful people. We are forgetful people. And in your heart, even if you, you know the passage You'll have forgotten it in your heart. And there'll be times when you just need somebody else to come and give it a nudge. Hey, remember, to, to bring courage, to put strength there. There's not strength in yourself, not strength of your own, strength from God. Right? Strength that says, hey, look, remember the promises of God. Remember who he is to you. Remember, remember, remember. And when you see those things, they eclipse everything else. Just a little aside, there is a, there is a world of difference between a there, there, God loves you, and actually being taken to those blood-bought promises in Scripture. If you can take somebody, you know, it's, it's good to say, okay, God loves me or God loves you, that's, that's great. But when you take somebody to a Bible passage and you say, look what God has said, there is more power in that. So let's be people who are, who, who are able to, to use our Bible, use the gifts that God has given us to, to strengthen one another. And then I just want to finish with this. Jesus is the great example of this to us. You know, Jonathan comes and strengthens David. You know, God sent, loves to send people to strengthen us when we're in our dark days. I tell you, there have been times when I've hit a low and suddenly I've got a, a text or a phone call or, or something. And there are times when I've had to seek that out and I've had to go to people who I know will just stir me in my faith, stir me, encourage me. But I tell you, Jesus is the great example of that to us. Jesus, when we were low and broken and, and had no way of entering into the promises of God, he comes, he comes and makes a commitment to us. He says, I'm with you through thick and thin. I'm with you in the, in the darkest days. I will not abandon you. I will not forsake you. Nothing will separate you from the love of Christ comes to us at great personal sacrifice to himself he bleeds out and dies on a cross in order to to be that encouragement to us to be that to us i tell you if you've not entered into that if you've not understood that for yourself i, pr I pray would you come and make yourself available to understand and to receive this gift of, of, of love that god has given us he has given us his son in sacrifice and that is the model that we look to 
That is the model that we look to. That's what Paul points to when he writes this to the Philippians. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility. Count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you not only look to his own interests, but to the interests of others. Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ. Who, he goes on, he tells the story, who, yours in Christ, who, this is Christ, though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God as a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself, just like Jonathan, strips himself of his princely garments to give them to us. He emptied himself, taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of man and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under earth. And, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I just want us to finish there, but let's just pray. And then we're going to finish with um, a final song. Uh, I'll just pull you up. We're going to sing a faithful one, which really kind of um, draws on uh, some of these things that we've talked about. But just as Neil kind of comes up and gets ready, let's just stand uh, together. Let's just pray. Yeah, Father, we, we just thank you that you have brought us into family, Lord, that you don't leave us to take on our hardships on our own, but that you yourself are with us. And not only that, you give us to one another, you give um, us family, brothers and sisters, to come alongside us and to support us, to, to put courage into us when we lack it. And Lord, I pray that we, Freedom Church, would be people who would be so good at doing that for one another. That we would be so good at bringing courage to one another. Lord, I pray that for those of us who are in those dark days now, Lord, I pray that you would use us together as a body to strengthen that person. And I pray that whether we're in our dark days or our high days, that we would be, have an eye to see what other people are going through and to, and to seek to encourage them and to remind them of, of your love and your uh, position of fatherhood over them, your... your uh, commitment to them. Lord, I, I pray, Father, that we would be like you in this regard, that we would be models of your love that we see in Jesus, as, as Paul encourages the church there in that passage that we've read, that we would be like Jesus, that have that mindset, which is Jesus's mindset, which is, I will give everything, I will go beyond the line of everything, I will give everything to see this person strengthened, to see this person enter the things of God. Lord, help us to do that. And as we pursue you together, be with us by your Holy Spirit. In your mighty name. Amen.